Hello and welcome to this episode of B Radio's Workplace Takeover. Today we're joined by Andrew from Time Trap Escape Rooms. Now, if you've never heard of an escape room before, well, my guest today will probably be pulling his hair out having completed, wait for it, 150 escape rooms, uh, which is absolutely mental. So before we get into it, Andrew, what actually is Time Trap Escape Room? A uh, bit of a correction there. We've now completed 200. So, 200? Yeah, our, our website is this is not old information. Date, I apologise. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's our fault. Um, so an escape room is effectively, uh, you're going into a themed environment where you have to complete uh, a series of clues, puzzles, uh, and you need to complete a given mission. So, for example, we've got one escape room at our Friar Street venue is you go into basically the Great Fire of London in 1666 and you've got to find out who who started the fire so that is your goal and you to get to your goal you need to solve some puzzles you might enter new spaces to get there right and you um you own this business with kate i believe yep yeah yep. um and you're both uh reading university graduates aren't you yeah that's right i graduated a, a little while ago now i think it was 2016 for me 2015 for katie uh, i had a placement year in in my degree but yeah we're both um i'm business and management graduate and katie is english language so, so tell me about the story of you, you and Kate, and how Time Trap um, Escape Room came about. Yeah, so, um, so we, we actually met at, at university. So I'm from Wales uh, originally. Uh, Katie is from Kent. Uh, we're, we're partners as well as and fiancés now. Uh, as oh well wow! As, congratulations. As well as yeah, just a few weeks ago, as well as uh, business partners. Um, so yeah, we we sort of came up to the point of graduation. While well, I was coming up to the point of graduation, Kate a year earlier, she had done a few sort of odd jobs, um, things she didn't quite like uh, during that time, during that year, while I was still coming up to graduating. And it came to it and we just wanted to, to do something a bit different. Uh, we didn't want to sort of be a, a small cog in a big machine. We wanted to at least enter a small business. We didn't know right up until sort of a few months before we started Time Trap that it would be our, our own business and uh yeah, escape rooms made a lot of sense. Katie was really into puzzle design, uh, yeah, theming, immersive uh, environments, and it yeah, just made sense. So I'm, I'm guessing you'd done quite a few escape rooms sort of before. Um, did you had you had you both done them together, or did you both realize, oh, we both like escape rooms? What was that? Yeah, so I I think we'd only done about four at the time. So, oh wow! I mean, they were still so 2016. They were still sort of in their infancy in the UK in particular. Uh, so I think the first one in the UK was 20, I think it's either 2012. Yeah, 2012 was the first one in the UK. So, I mean, they'd, they'd been around for a few years. There wasn't that many about, so you couldn't really, you know, be doing hundreds at that point anyway. But uh, yeah, we'd done a few and it was just, it was a business that we, we knew we could enter because it wasn't established as much as it is now. And yeah, we, we felt we could do something a bit different and a bit better in, in places as well. Mm. Did you ever feel like, that was a huge risk though because like obviously it still not had been established yet like i don't think i'd have heard of a, uh, an escape room until about two years ago um so it's a new thing and it's a bit of a weird thing as well you're going into a room and solving puzzle like who wants to solve a puzzle yeah. um so, so what sort of what convinced you that this was was going to do well yeah i guess um part of it was that it wasn't it didn't seem that risky to us because we were we you know we didn't have kids we didn't have a mortgage we we'd just come out of university we didn't have a living job. the good life we didn't have a job to give up exactly so it was almost as if we said we'd put in i think it was a thousand pound each of savings we had and we said let's try this for a month or two if it gets a bit of traction we'll keep going uh, if not then we've we've not lost anything we've taken you know a gap 
two months. Mm. So it's it's not it wasn't a massive risk because we weren't risking a lot. We sort of built up very organically. We started, like I said, with only a small bit of money, and then built up gradually from there. Once we sort of had tested the the product, um, so it, it, yeah, risky. It wasn't a massive risk, I think, but we we just gave it a go and it. it ended up working and we've sort of gone on from there ever since yeah what what was your like first six months like well actually what was your first 12 months because most startups are, are, are don't survive the first 12 months so what was your first 12 months like so we started the very first event we did was the reading fringe festival of 2016 uh that was a two-day event it was in the purple turtle in reading so uh, as Reading as they get in terms of locations. Ideal it, Reading venue, exactly. That. It was in the in the basement. So I don't know if you've ever, ever been into the basement of the Purple Turtle, but it's it's quite. It's, I think it's dungeon themed. So we started off with a, a dungeon themed escape room, and that was a two day event in I think July, 2016. And then from there we went on to Great Expectations, which is another uh, pub in Reading, another hotel and bar. Uh, that's on London Street. We were there for six weeks, and again that was from October November. And then from there, we managed to raise enough money from sort of that that stint at the at Great Expectations to then put down a deposit on a place in Central Reading, and that we got that place in March 2017. Uh, so it was it wasn't sort of straight off. We put down a deposit for a place, signed a big lease because, like I said, we wanted to test it at each stage and sort of gradually ramp up, you know, to to see if we could actually make it a success. Um, so yeah, um, March 20. 17 we got the keys to fry street and then opened in june 2017 so that was pretty much the first 12 months was slowly building up to actually opening our permanent venue yeah that sounds like really solid advice for a stop rather than sort of going all gung-ho you know putting all your life savings in just sort of slowly building it up and and getting bigger and bigger and and hopefully you get to a point where where you've got your own place like you guys do um so tell me i've never been to an escape room before right and i've been i've been really excited to have you on because literally two weeks ago i was talking about how i wanted to do an escape room had no idea there was one in reading what's what what's the experience like what what am i what what am i getting when i walk through the door what's happening Yes, yeah, so I mean, there's not, I think there's now over twenty individual rooms in Reading. So if you do in come, Reading, if, obviously come to us first. But if you yeah, do enjoy obviously. it, then you've got a whole, you know, you've got a whole plethora, plethora of of options out there. So um, you know, absolutely. So what, with our particular venue, you are coming to. You're not coming to an escape room. You're coming to a, a time traveling facility. So like I said, we've got one that sends you back to 1666. We've got one that sends you inside Lewis Carroll's brain. So he's the creator of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Uh, you have to go inside his brain and in an alternate past, he's forgotten to write uh, Alice through the looking glass and you have to sort of rejig his memory so that he remembers to rewrite it. So you're never sort of going into a room and trying to escape a room. You're trying to solve a, a problem effectively with our with our games. And it's, yeah, they're all traveling back in time and you're time travelers and you're helping solve uh, a problem certain predicament which is is like i said in your mission uh, i will say the last one we've got as well is going back to 1942 to bletchley park to um if you've heard of alan turing you know to help uh, basically uh, uncover a spy that's been operating at bletchley park so that's the the final game we have at uh, reading time trap as a historian you're getting me excited i can't lie you're getting me very very uh, yeah so can you so so how does that can you pick what you you go to or is it like a seasonal thing like you guys have one and you have to do that one no so uh we so basically we will build an escape room it'll generally last about 
three to five years before we change it up. So, you know, the ones we've got at the minute will stay there for a long time. So you can basically go on the website, choose which one you want to play. Um, hopefully you'll come back and play them all at some point anyway. But yeah, so you'll, you'll come and put book online and pick which one you want to do. But yeah, if you're a historian, then uh, in particular, I think you'll like both Bletchley Park and Station X and Pudding Lane, which is 1666. So which one would you recommend? Like, which one's like the best, the, your favourite one to do? Yeah, so they're creating them all. They're sort of all your babies. So you can't mm. really say. Oh which yeah, one's your you favorite, can't say. But, so you've um, got like a favourite child, but you can't say that you've got a favourite child. Is I, that I think I'll say it anyway. I think, <laughs> I think it's probably Pudding Lanes. It's, that's the one that sort of won the most awards. So it's been recognised as one of the best in the world. Uh, in the there's the Top Escape Rooms Project, which is basically a project that which aims to um, find the best escape rooms in the world. It's ranked um, in the top sort of 200 in the world on that, as well as uh, in the top 50 in the UK. Actually, all our games have ranked. In the top 50 based on the uk sort of similar award system but yeah so i'd, I'd probably say pudding lane is the flagship game but they're, they're all very good so pudding lane i've noted that down um speaking of awards you guys have won several awards i'm gonna try and read them out right okay so you've won the pride of reading award an industry recognized golden key award you've got over 500 five-star ratings on TripAdvisor, which i'm guessing is like 800 now um uh, and that has led you to receiving the TripAdvisor Certificate of Excellence every single year since you opened. And you and Kate have both spoken at the European Industry Conference in Amsterdam. That is mental. Like, you guys have smashed out of the park. Again, when I first heard we were getting you, I thought local business, probably, you know, s- quite small, smashing it, blah, blah, blah. You guys have gone, you guys have gone national here. Um, what's that been like? Like, winning all these awards, was that your intention? Did you want to go all out or did you just want to, you know, have some of that sort of, you, you make a living out of? Yeah, I, I think we we came in with the aim of sort of uh, ramping up the quality. So there, there was sort of three areas we recognised that needed improving was the sort of the quality of the environment. So that's the space you're entering. So um, how it looks, how sort of authentic is, it is. So if you're, say, entering 1666 London, then it needs to be a cobbled street with, you know, lime on the wall. So we, we've done it all properly, authentically. Uh, the second area was sort of in the puzzles. So we felt that the puzzles were, were fun, but they weren't sort of groundbreaking. And then uh, the third one was just in terms of sort of customer service we thought we could do that better as well and just make it you know overall just a lot better than what the current offering was in 2016 um and i think the, the awards we've got from that are just sort of um i guess you know they're, they're verifying that we are doing it right and that's that's not it's always nice to be recognized i guess but yeah it was it was never sort of a goal that we want to get this award and you know speak at this event but no they've just sort of come with the, the i guess the product we've created yeah um do you think like sort of you you've you've had so much experience with escape rooms 200 like you said is it 200 each is that right so we i, th- I think we've played sort of like five with other people like yeah and even then we're like how dare you but um <laughs> it's no. like you're cheating on your, your <laughs> exactly. fiance by going with someone else um no we've done pretty much all of them together obviously not all as a pair with you know other people but mm. um yeah we've done 200 each so you guys must be sick at puzzles, like you, like riddles. You must just like get straight away, and, and that's yeah. mental. You would hope so, but not not quite. Uh, yeah. I think uh, there's there's certain puzzles you'll see in an escape room, you know, again and again. There'll be variations of the same thing, but you'll be like, oh, that's that. So I need to do this and this. Mm. But um, no, every now and then you'll see a puzzle which you know you've, you've never seen before, which is always nice because that's what you want to see. You want to see sort of innovation in the in the industry. So yeah. Um, we're, we're not amazing we're, we're okay we, we do well but you know. nah you're amazing uh, look Thank at all you. these awards I, like, I'm hyping you up here you, you're, you absolutely smashed it um, so what makes a, a good escape room then like, how do you even come up with these ideas 
so I got to be honest, that's not myself. That is that is Katie. So she's sort of the the puzzly brain and um, more the business side. So I think you just hopped on the bandwagon, exactly. Yeah, yeah fair play. Great, I've, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, um, no. So she's the sort of you know the creative side and more the business side. But how she comes up with it, I'm not too sure. But it's I think it's just drawing inspiration from anywhere really i mean sometimes she'll wake up in the middle of the night and you know she'll have dreamt up a puzzle and she'll write it down on her phone and go back to sleep but yeah i think i think she uses a history for one because we're, we're making historical games but just the general you know world she'll see something in a tree and be like oh that could be a puzzle but mm. uh yeah it's i don't know how her brain works so it, it, I'm, I'm guessing that's sort of the, the the common theme and sort of almost your usp is the fact that you guys go back in time um and, and you go to sort of different key events is that right yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's that is sort of our i guess you could say um usp sort of in reading in particular so there's all the other escape rooms, they, they've they've all got their own theme, but it, ours is, you know, going back in time to sort of rewrite history with you as a hero. Yeah, no. Um, so I, I hate asking this because, like, we've sort of moved on slightly, but COVID, right? How did you guys deal with COVID? Um, because obviously this is something that you actually have to go to to do. What was that? What was that whole period like with lockdowns? Uh, as you can imagine, pretty horrible. But mm. um, no, it's it's hopefully we're we're you know over the worst of it for sure um yeah i think at at the start we sort of had to sort of batten down all the hatches and you know just think you know what can we do just to sort of keep money in the business because you know everything was was going terribly um but i think we we tried to diversify our product a bit so we started offering uh, an outdoor game um so we've still got that running now so that's now an additional side to the business that we still have which is good um we started uh, selling online games that was through someone else that we knew in the industry they were selling they were creating and selling online escape rooms effectively and we we took that on as well so again we sort of diversified um obviously there was a lot of government support which was very important and it, it kept i know you know a massive a, a lot of businesses alive and yeah we came out wanting to sort of you know be as good as we could uh, all over again but it's yeah it's it's uh, it wasn't nice and hopefully you know we won't see something like that again at least for a while yeah fingers uh, crossed. i can't deal with that right now but uh, uh, yeah i don't good. think anyone can right now to be <laughs> fair um i mean i think it's always important because sort of especially uh, a lot of people we like to sort of criticize the government and, and rightly so at times but here it seems like sort of the government support was was really beneficial for you do you feel like it kept you afloat or do you just feel like it sort of got you going for the time being, and then you could just get back on your feet. What sort of government support were you getting? And, and, and yeah, yeah. So obviously there was the the furlough scheme. So with pretty much all our staff, uh, they they couldn't come in to run the games. That's predominantly what what a lot of them do. Um, so we had to furlough all of those, um, which was helpful because yeah, again, we wouldn't have been able to you know keep paying them because there was literally. You know, like I said, we 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 diversified, but there wasn't anywhere near as much money coming in as as we had before. Uh, and then, as well as that, there was sort of the local grants as well for mm. um, based on business rates. But yeah, without that, I think you know the whole the hospitality and leisure industry would have completely collapsed because there's there's no way you can sort of pay you know rent and staff when when you've got literally zero income yeah, exactly. coming in. Um, in terms of um sort of working together you're working with your fiance i didn't know that how how do you feel like 
that sort of changed your relationship and how are you dealing with that sort of with the stresses of a business and then at the same time you know this is your fiance how are you balancing all that and and how do you deal with the challenges that come with it yeah no that that can be hard i think we from the very start set out what our roles were so we said you know you look after x y and z and i look after abc um and we we stick to that and we don't sort of try and interfere with the other side. So if if there's a creative decision to be made, then um, Katie makes it. If there's a business decision to be made, then most of the time we make I make it. Um, but it's it's very split down the middle. But obviously we do sort of talk about things. But it's you know we don't try and sort of interfere too much. And I think the fact that we're very split that way helps a lot. But yeah, it's it's definitely you have to have a very good relationship to make it work because if you're already rocky, I don't recommend it at all. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't start a business if you're about to get divorced, exactly. guys. Um, so I want, um, and this might be a bit, Katie might get upset with this question, but um, I want you to tell me what's one thing you've learned about Katie from starting a business that you just you didn't know before? Oh, that's a good question. Bit of a deep one, yeah. Um, I, I guess just her brain is I, I think I've got a new found respect for it just because before you know I, I guess you didn't really think about the, the the stuff she can create and a lot of people say this is just crazy um I can't come up with a a puzzle set in the Great Fire of London that makes sense for that time period um based in that environment it's just it's very difficult to be able to do that and i think the way her brain works is she can just think something up and it'll just it'll fit in and people won't even sort of they won't think about it too much if they're just playing the game but if they sit back and think they're like oh wow that was actually very impressive like how you basically came up with that whole concept and made it into a room and made it into a puzzle and a story is is, is yeah super impressive so yeah. i think just yeah i'm, I'm always impressed by that because when i think about it, if i could do it I, yeah i definitely couldn't yeah, I have no imagination whatsoever. I feel like I lost that like when I was five years old. Uh, what I really like about it as well is the fact that it's not sort of your typical historical events. It's not like World War One, World War Two, which would be quite cool. But it's like you know, Alice in Wonderland, completely random. You know, um, uh, uh, the f- Great Fires of London, what etc. Like these are they're interesting sort of po- uh, points in history, but they're not as recognised as, for example, World War One and World War Two. Um, so. I'm I'm 100% gonna gonna come to one of your escape rooms. I don't know which one yet. I feel like the the one that you mentioned earlier that was really. I'm gonna go to that one. What's your biggest tip going into it? Into the escape room. So yeah. um, obviously you come with a team, so it could be two to six, uh, two to eight people even. Um, so the, the biggest thing I would say is is make sure you communicate. So if you find something, um, you know, it could be something that's important that for the other person so they might be holding something that they need to unlock and you have the information but you're not so- talking to each other so then you know you end up going your separate ways in the room not not in life um and then you you don't solve the the puzzle and then you might need to get a clue for it but you could have talked to each other and it could have been solved a lot quicker so yeah just if you find something just literally talk constantly and say i found this has anyone got this um yeah just communication between team members is very important yeah um and in terms of um I know we mentioned earlier the location. Where actually is Time Trap, just for our listeners? Yes, so we're we're on Friar Street in Reading, so, you know, parallel with uh, Broad Street. And if you know where Walkabout is, that's usually the best way to explain it. So uh, we're down the same alley as Walkabout. We're, we're on the left, they're on the right, and 
quite close to the town hall. That's another landmark. But Fry's quite close to that 11, town hall, yeah. yeah. 11 Fry Street in Reading. 11 Fry Street Google in Google Maps is your friend as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, And just sort of finally, uh, in terms of sort of booking, how does that all work? Yeah, so people can book on our website, which is uh, timetrapescaperooms.com. Uh, so from there, you can sort of take a look at the videos. Um, they give you a sort of sense for the room, uh, read the descriptions. And yeah, you can book book all online or by, by phone as well. Yeah, happy days. Um, well, thank you so much, Andrew, for taking the time to come on. Thank you very much. Great, thank you.